Some people seem to move almost effortlessly from planning into action, but appearances can be deceiving. It all comes down to having a process that works for you. I'm your host, M. David Green. Hack the Process is a show about looking at the systems and processes that we build our lives around to support mindful, meaningful progress. This show explores ways that people get past that pivot point, from having a fantasy to putting something real out there into the world. If you're ready to stop planning and fantasizing and start taking action, let's hack the process together. Andy Galpern is the founder of Cascade SF, who open-sourced her own design education by inviting experts to teach the subjects she wanted to learn. Andy also hosts events she describes as speed dating for mentoring, which give designers the opportunity to share their knowledge and learn from each other without the overhead of giving a presentation to a large group. But small sharing can lead to larger sharing, and Andy talks about how the mentors in her program come to realize that they actually know more than they thought through these interactions, and then move on to become leaders in their own areas of expertise. Andy discusses how learning to delegate expanded her potential, and the importance of putting ideas out there and sharing them with more people to build a brand and develop confidence. Okay, so today I'm speaking to Andy Galpern, and she runs Cascade SF, a design organization in San Francisco, and I believe in a couple of other cities occasionally. She's been doing this since 2009 and getting people together to discuss UX and design. And Angie, how do you introduce yourself these days? Okay, well, my name is Andy Galpern. I'm a product designer, but I'm also the founder of Cascade SF, which you had just mentioned, David. And thank you for having me on your show today. We are a design organization based out of the Bay Area. We have probably around 7,000 to 8,000 designers that attend, well, I guess on the mailing list and between that and meetup.com. And we teach the latest tricks in user experience design and anything relating to product design and working efficiently as a designer in technology. So you started this coming from the perspective of being a designer yourself. Actually, I started Cascade. It was kind of a, a spontaneous thing that turned into something much more than I ever anticipated. But I grew up in a big house with, well, four kids. So there's four of us and we always help each other out and learn from each other. My mom would sit down and, and ask me a million questions or like test me for and help me learn before I had a test when I was younger. And we were just always about helping each other. So I'm used to learning in that setting. So I wanted to learn CSS back in April 2009. And I went on to Meetup and I was looking for a CSS organization and there wasn't one. So I created a CSS group, which is called Cascade, and I actually learned CSS by throwing events. Any topic that I wanted to learn about, I just posted as a meetup, and then somebody would volunteer to speak, and I'd learn more from other people. It was like that was my hack for learning about CSS. Then I learned CSS so well that I ended up becoming really interested and really intrigued by user experience strategy, and in 2012, I think it is, we've kind of transitioned into UX, into being a UX organization and less CSS stuff. Now that's interesting because it sounds like you kind of open sourced your education on this. Exactly. Open source, it's kind of my way of teaching what, well, now it's become a, just like a network hub for meeting other designers and mentors and anything that I want to learn. I just put an event out there or something that I'm, if I'm working on a product, 
and then something comes up, I'm like, this would make a really good talk. If I'm struggling with this, then other people would want to learn how to fix this too. So that's it. It's a hack. (laughs) (laughs) What's great about that is that you're not assuming that just because you want to learn something, you have to go off there in an isolated way and learn it by yourself. You're finding a way to help other people learn simultaneously. The, The events scaled a lot. Like our first meetup was just, I wanted to learn about CSS sprites. And so I said, to the classroom. There was like 15 people who showed up at Crossroads Cafe here in San Francisco. We all printed out a a document and and shared information on how to build a CSS button, different ways with sprites and buttons. And I learned so much in that one night. It was crazy. But ultimately, I've always been like a leader and kind of more outgoing type of person. I was the art director for my newspaper in college. And I used to also bartend private parties and for physicians and throw big events and cook dinners and I have like a more of a leadership mentality and also like a hospitality background as well so that's interesting so hosting events felt like a natural way for you to pick up this kind of knowledge I wasn't even expecting it to be where where it is now to where it's like pretty much my full-time job right now it's a lot of work to host an event and put the community together but I feel like the people are so passionate about the content at the events and about bringing the community together and, and enhancing their career that it doesn't feel like a lot of energy. It feels like I'm naturally fueled by passion to do this. That's interesting. So you didn't have a background in event planning when you started this. I guess you've learned everything as you went along. Yeah. Well, I've learned a lot, a lot as I went along, but I did have, a, like I said, when I lived in South Florida, I would bartend and help host private parties for physicians for like the National Association of School Psychologists or the Allergy Immunology Association. They had parties of like 100 to 200 guests and we would cook the dinner and help with the catering and host. It was for like a really big house, like a fancy kind of environment. The standard was pretty high. I take a lot of what I learned there and bring it into the events of the quality and making sure that everybody's comfortable and happy and that we have good food most of the time. (laughs) I've been to a few of your events and I I can definitely say people who come, everybody feels like they have a role and there's engagement. It's a wonderful, welcoming environment that you've managed to create. Thank you. The idea behind Cascade is that, so for me, design was always really competitive. I started off in corporate advertising in 2007, when I graduated from FAU with a degree in design, I went immediately into corporate advertising at Zimmerman Advertising. And it's a great company. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of designers there. It was probably like 20 or 30 designers. It's a big team. But it felt like very competitive and it just took the fun out of design. And I felt like when we learn from each other and we remove our egos and we just genuinely listen, we, we benefit so much more. It's like, this is the analogy I like to describe it as. You're say you're on the dance floor and it's like a break dancing circle. Somebody goes in and they do their dance and they do some flips and everybody gives them a high five. They don't say, uh-uh, hell no. Like, or they go in and they do, they give it their all. The next person goes in and gives it their all. But we're all just like dancing in the break dancing circle. Well, I think a lot of it is the mindset of the fact that we don't have to compete with each other. We can learn from each other and grow independently. And that environment is much more welcoming and fueling for like, it's just like dissolving the competition, learn from each other, grow and understand your passions and what what is important to you because there's plenty of room for all of us to be excellent. We don't have to knock each other down to move up to the next step. We can all grow together. That's a philosophy that 
I, th I think is familiar to people maybe inside of San Francisco, but it feels to me like something that a lot of companies outside of San Francisco, they don't get that collaborative versus competitive balance. Yeah. Well, also, you have to think there is there is a lot of competition here in San Francisco as well. But we also have to think about, you know, competition in terms of product. Like if you're telling your friend about a product and then they're designing a similar product and then they take your ideas and stuff. It's good to be cautious about it. But when it comes to like actually designing techniques and tools and ways to enhance your ideas, then that should be purely collaborative. I think that we could all help each other. Well, I have been outside of San Francisco, but, but I haven't really been in that environment, in the design environment outside of San Francisco in a very long time. So it, it's harder for me to gauge what other areas are like, but I do know that I feel like just stepping up and being a leader and sharing your knowledge should happen anywhere that you're at. It doesn't matter if you're in San Francisco or whatever. It sounds to me like you might be a natural extrovert. Is this true? Actually, yes. I did the Myers-Briggs test and I'm at 99% extrovert. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and what we know about that is that means you draw your energy from having crowds around you. I do when I'm in a good mental space. I also get a lot of energy from getting stuff done and knocking things off my to-do list early and making sure that like what the clearer my head is the more energy that I have so it's like and productive energy is a big part of it like if I'm meeting with somebody they help me enhance like something in my life like I'm designing an app right now and I'm meeting with somebody and they're giving me feedback or, or positive information or something and that fuels my passion and that's going to give me more energy versus just hanging out with people, decompressing when I haven't gotten anything done. It's hard for me to feel good and energized. I feel drained, actually. So it's all about the choices that I choose, the things that give me points and make, you know, plus one, I cleaned my room today. Plus one, I did, you know, just checking <laughs> off more things I check off the list, the more energy that I have. That makes perfect sense. And I think that one of the things you're doing with your events is you're giving people who aren't necessarily as extroverted as you, the opportunity to do these one-on-one -on -one consultations. Could you describe a little bit what happens at one of your Cascade events? Okay, we have two different kind of events. Well, we have a couple different kinds, but we have like a lecture type of series. We do have a mentor night and that happens every couple months and we recruit senior designers, design directors, leaders, you know, designers who are, who are, um, want to share their knowledge, but they're not necessarily ready for, to take a, to give a talk, but they want to share their information. So mentoring is a way for designers to be leaders, but not necessarily give a talk or spend all this time investing on preparing a presentation. And what happens at the mentor night is attendees sign up for 20 minute sessions. We, we have two hours of 20 minute sessions. You get one-on-one -on -one feedback from a mentor. It's just brilliant. It helps a lot of different people. It is brilliant. And it wasn't, you know, I, I got it from like a speed dating is what it is. Speed dating for mentoring. We, had, we did the mentoring once a month and that was just way too much. It's like I was organizing like 20 to 30 different people, designers per month to show up. And it was just, it's just a lot. So now we do them every couple months and, and have them as an independent night. But a lot of the mentors have participated at every single event for the past two years. And I'm so grateful for them. We're grateful. I say we, because I think of Cascade as a community, not just myself. I'm just, you know, one of the leaders for the community, but we also have a lot of other leaders like Chloe Bregman 
is an incredible mentor slash designer, design director. Um, she's participated in almost every mentoring event. Adam Ruff, Lucas, Lucas, I can't pronounce your last name, but I love you. Um, <laughs> Lucas L. No, we just, we have the great, great mentors and, and, and a lot of them go out and become speakers or give talks. They're, you know, they're like, I want to give a talk. I want to share my knowledge. So I'm working with the mentors one on one to help them create talks and get more of a brand presence and grow their, grow their brand. And, and this also helps them get opportunities to like they get bigger opportunities because they're seen as a leader in the industry but they're also giving a chance to give back to the community and grow as a designer and a leader i, I feel like that that's one of those hurdles that people often have trouble getting to when they're working like inside of an organization and all that they ever see is the people that they work with at, the, at that one company but they don't know how to put themselves out there into the world and it's great that you're giving people the opportunity to do that well, thank you. I like how you phrased it too. Like I'm, I'm giving people the opportunity to put yourself out. That's actually really, that's good marketing, good marketing phrasing. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, David. <laughs> no, I actually, I think it's part of that, but also I love the idea of the mentor nights because a lot of the times the designers, including myself, we don't realize how far that we've come until we take a step back and we share our knowledge and then we're like, wow, I know a lot. Like this is, this is awesome. Like, you know, way more than you think. You just got to, when instead of writing a 50 minute rant, I don't know, like a five paragraph rant on Facebook, put it in a blog post and, and share it with more people, you know, on Medium or on, on your own personal site. But it's about just giving yourself the opportunity to, if you're going to put your energy into writing a rant or writing about something, make it more visible and share it with more people. So I like this idea of, of putting speed dating into mentoring. Have you seen anybody else doing anything similar? Or does this really feel like something that's unique right now to Cascade? That's a good question. I think there was somebody, there's like a speed dating, speed mentoring kind of event thing on Meetup. But I don't know. I what Specifically for Cascade, it's about the people that we curate for that are design leaders. Like I'm, I'm a designer and... I'm very picky in particular of who that I select as a mentor. So it's like you can pretty much be guaranteed that you're going to get a lot of value from coming to the Cascade events because of the, the curation of the people who are mentoring. But also, I don't know, I'm not familiar with any of the other organizations. And I say that everybody should use this format in all different areas because it's incredibly helpful and it's efficient. And it's like in one night, if we have 30 designers, six sessions, that's 180 mentoring sessions. So we've had like 2000 mentoring sessions in one year. It's wild how many people that it helps. And it, it just like uh, made a lot of connections for the mentors also. Actually, a lot of our mentors have gotten jobs at Facebook and at Uber and bigger companies because of them like sharing their knowledge and, and getting more of a public presence, I would say, had a big part to do with it. Well, that actually brings up an interesting point because you're busy. You're, you're working on these things. Before this, you were working as a designer. And at the same time, you were building Cascade sort of on the side. I'm curious how you balanced those. It's a really good question to ask because it's been tricky. And in some ways I've had my family, like it's been financially kind of tricky because I love the community work. I love producing the events, but the events are known to be a marketing tool 
more than a source of main income. At least that's what I was told is like, how could I scale? I can grow this into like a national organization and focus on sponsorship sales, or I could continue to design stuff and use Cascade as a tool to learn and grow and meet other designers and network. And I preferred B, which is using it as a tool because it just feels like I feel kind of incomplete if I'm not designing constantly and, and coming up with ideas and you know mentoring people. I would say that it has interfered in the past with my work because I have had companies say that you're just so passionate about Cascade. You don't seem as passionate about our company. So it's like, how do you find the balance? You have to, one is the mentor nights are once every couple months because those took a lot of energy and time. So I would say less events, but more meaningful ones is one. And less um, events where you have to organize 30 speakers. <laughs> and that's one. The other thing is getting a bunch of stuff done early in the morning helps me a lot. And I wake up, well, not that early. I'm not that much of an early bird. I probably wake up around... 7 30 8 o'clock which is you know i'm a contractor or whatever but i knock a bunch of stuff out of the way so i can just go enjoy the sunlight and go biking and i could feel a lot more relaxed throughout the day when i get a bunch of stuff done in the morning sounds like you get a lot of your motivation from that sense of accomplishment for for getting those things done absolutely and then also i i strongly believe in meditation not as a spiritual practice per se but as a tool for focusing the mind and and focusing on what's important I can see that. And I'm, I'm guessing that you make time for that as part of your morning routine. It has become a morning routine. So where I wake up, I lay in bed for a few minutes. I'm like, uh, should I get up now? Okay. And then I listen to a guided meditation. I go either go to a certain website or I just downloaded the meditation studio app and I use that now. So that one's really great. And it's like five to 10 minutes a day of just like focusing, slowing down and focusing on your breathing in the morning, first thing in the morning. It will tremendously improve the quality of your life and help you improve your focus. And also you could, you know, say that you're overwhelmed at work. If you don't have a meditation room in your office, which some, a lot of San Francisco startups do have that. There are some walking meditations that I listen to while I walk around the mission area and I go search for a burrito, but I'm, I just need to calm down. I'm like, take a deep breath and notice your feet kissing the earth with you know <laughs> as you take each step no it can be meditation can be really like hokey and it can take you into another world or there are are more mindfulness practices that are focused on your breathing and just tuning in with your body and those are the ones that i practice more it's just like tuning in to wherever you have tension and just sending some breathing like breathing deeply into that area and just like releasing all tension and just relaxing. It's wonderful to have something like that to keep you grounded when you're trying to coordinate so many things. And you know, you're a very enthusiastic person. <laughs> so getting you get actively involved with the things that you're doing, I'm sure. I'm curious, could you tell me a little bit more about the team involved in organizing these uh, conferences and these live events that you're doing? Okay, it all starts with an idea, which is we'll take the mobile prototyping event for an example. And well, actually, let's look at the mentor nights because those are more complex. But Cascade is pretty much me running 
the show, I curate everybody and I have a whole data, like a process for them to register with a certain code on Eventbrite. So we keep track of everything. I'm able to send out an email to specifically those who register as a volunteer, specifically those who re register as a mentor. But it's just about outlining kind of like the infrastructure and making it really easy for people to register and also making it really easy for them to cancel. That process is easy. And then it took a lot of time to kind of solidify it. So that's one. So the registration process is, is um, simplified and easy for mentors and volunteers to register. Now, the other part that I've found was a huge help was that I got a piece of advice a couple of years ago that was the most beneficial advice I've ever received. And that was that I couldn't see any further. So I had to delegate and delegating was one of the toughest things for me at first, because I was like, oh man, they're going to do it wrong. And it's just like, it opens up so many doors. So some people are going to let you down, but a lot of them will surprise you and be really reliable and enthusiastic. And we have a lot of volunteers who help out and I delegate responsibilities to them. And they, we all just kind of work together and that's how we grow. So a lot of the team is the community, the volunteers. And then we also have some core people on our team that have helped like reach out for venues or also set up food and, and make sure that everything, you know, for the bigger events, we have some key players that really help us make sure that everything is in place. Like George Komodo. Hi, George. I want to say thank you to you because you've been awesome. He's, he's been great. And he's been uh, helping with the mentor registration. A lot of our volunteers are consistently volunteering because they really want to be part of the community. And also they want to give back or they're looking for a job in the industry and they'll give back a little bit and then they'll get a job and then they'll come back and watch the talks sometimes and still volunteer occasionally. But yes, that's it. You're using the registration tools inside of Eventbrite. It sounds like pretty extensively. That actually has changed everything because before everybody who wanted to mentor would just say, I want to mentor, I want to mentor. And I'd be like, sure, you're confirmed. And then I add them to the lineup physically, like go in and add each person into the lineup and update it all the time. And it's just like, it's a lot, it's a lot of work to do that. So instead I say, please confirm by registering with this code and at this zoom at this link and then they confirm it and if for any reason you have to cancel your ticket then i have track of it because then when i go to export an event report through eventbrite i can see everybody who registered as a mentor and i'm able to reach out to them in one email versus having to go through all the emails and finalize it's just like data is really the trick of of running a business efficiently and it makes so much more sense to just to use whatever tools you can to make sure everybody's following that process to get them registered properly. Do you use any uh, like shared document systems, Google Docs, et cetera, to keep track of that? Yeah, absolutely. We use a Google Sheets is awesome. We actually use Google Sheets for our mentor registration. It's because it's you can get a URL and, and use it and sign up the time slots in real time and everybody can share the link and we publish it. Like That's actually really great. I use Google Doc for collaborating with the speakers on, um, or say there's a mentor who wants to come up with a talk and I'll be like, I'll list out a bunch of questions and make them fill out an outline. Yes, we're going back to third grade. I make you all, feel, if you're gonna speak at an event and you haven't had the experience or, or you wanna give a talk and you just need to like solidify your ideas, I actually force the speakers, <laughs> sounds kind of crazy to say force, but whatever. I encourage the speakers to fill out an outline, either like a narrative or an expository essay kind of outline where that's the first step. And we use a Google Doc and we go back and forth and then they turn that outline into a presentation. 
So Google Docs are great, and Google Sheets are awesome as well. Wow, you're very hands-on with this process, and it's like you're providing public speaking training to these people as well. Actually, that is something that I am doing now, is that we have a private mentoring training for regular mentors. A lot of the mentors wanted to give talks. They asked me, can you help me outline, you know, can you help me come up with a talk or, or I really want to give a talk or something I want to talk about. What do you think about this? And instead of meeting with all of them one-on-one, -on -one, I actually organized a private workshop for about 15 mentors that's happening in August, two weeks in August. Well, it's two nights, but it's three hour workshops and it's, it's a chance for everybody to kind of, one is it will be really good for them, for the mentors slash designers to network and meet each other, but also give them time to dedicate and focus on on giving an exceptional talk. I'm going to give a couple different lectures, like small lectures, just to kind of get their engines going and then exercises where they'll sit down and they'll actually type out the plans and the outlines and, and we'll all give each other feedback. That's hacking the presentation process. And I think down the road, if all goes well, then in October, we're going to have a speaker series about giving a talk and sharing your voice. I think that would be very, very popular, and you'd be an excellent person to learn from about that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it wouldn't even just be me. Like, the idea is to bring in people from, you know, the community, like, like how to share your knowledge. Like, well, hold on. Like, the Toastmasters, I would like to get some people from that to come share, like, how to hold yourself up during a presentation, because how you interact with the audience makes such a big difference. Like, you ask them questions, you feel comfortable, you engage with them. So they feel like they're not being spoken at, they're, they're a part of the whole talk. I feel like that's a big part of it. But also you could do like the TED kind of style where you just go up and give a polished presentation and they're laughing and whatever. But there's a lot of different ways you can, you can share your voice that don't have to be you speaking at the audience. You can actually create a whole conversation with them. That could be fun. But it really comes down to this is that I'm a musician. I'm an entertainer. I've been playing music since I was five years old. I'm used to being on the stage. I'm used to entertaining and performing. I sang in when I was 15. I sang the national anthem at the Miami Heat game. I used to sing at the Marlins games and perform in studios. And because of that, I feel like I'm naturally able to get up on the stage and, and just take the house down but not everybody has that automatically and we just want you to share a you know like the idea is to just use what you have and just like share yourself but having experience being on stage as a musician i think is definitely helpful because it gives you that experience of having the audience respond positively and getting into the groove and in particular with, with music because you're getting people with a rhythm and you're getting people you know, engaged in what you're doing. It's sometimes trickier with a drier topic where when you're giving a presentation. I'm curious if there's any, are there any tricks that you use to bring that sense of engagement into the talks that you give? Okay, well, I, I will be honest and say that I've failed before at giving talks. I've failed by not preparing a couple different talks. I didn't prepare enough. I didn't, I had an idea and I didn't brainstorm it out and put it into an outline. and. And I went on stage and I'm just like scattered brained and it was awful and it's just so embarrassing. And that the more that we prepare and we get to know who is it that's attending our, our, that's why I use the Eventbrite tools a lot of the times is to survey the attendees and find out a little bit more about them, what their background is, what is it they want to learn about, because there's actually customizable fields that you can ask them. Then I cater the talk specifically to them and it makes it, it's like the engagement rate is going to, 
go up because it specifically affects them. But a lot of the times I think of myself as a target audience because this is stuff that I wanted to learn as a designer. And I feel like if I'm engaged enough, then other people will probably like it as well. But it's also about simplifying what you're going to say and making sure that you're like sticking to bullet points and keeping a presentation that's like visually compelling. But also, you know, you tell a story, finding ways to tell stories and give data and, and involve the audience. I'm curious if you have role models you modeled yourself after. Well, my voice teacher, Gina Moretta, who's not alive anymore, but she impacted my life tremendously because I remember I used to go hit a note and I get a little scared. She's like, there's no blood on the floor. Her just telling me, like, what is the worst that's going to happen? Having the courage to get out and put yourself out there and do things that really changed my life. That was one. And then the other thing is my dad. And my my father is an entrepreneur who listens to a bunch of audio cassette tapes. I grew up listening to Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar and just hearing that all the time and just having him like as a positive, like this force of positive energy, always like reminding me that I can do anything that I want if I just go for it. And my dad is the type who masters everything. Like he goes out, he's 69 years old and goes out dancing five nights a week. And my mom is, yeah, they're still together. My mom doesn't dance as much, but she still has a lot of energy as well. So she's a role model. I just hope that I have as much energy as they do. They, they've definitely changed my life. And there's a couple people in the industry that have also taught me how to present myself publicly. I've gotten a lot more, I would say, like dignified with my public presence. I'm not as obnoxious as I used to be. <laughs> well, it's the evolution of Andy and the evolution of Andy's interests that seem to be driving the, the development of Cascade. So tell me, where does Andy think that Andy is going to take Cascade next? Because you've already brought it to a really remarkable place. And I'm curious, where do you see it evolving toward? Well, okay, so we've had the opportunity to start to... We have one in Boston, but it's not... It's a totally different organization. We have different leaders, but it's more... It's a CSS community, which is based on its roots as Cascade. And I've had other people wanting to start it in other cities. And honestly, like, that would be awesome. And if you guys, like, if anybody wants to start a Cascade, just message me, Andy, A-N-D-I at CascadeSF.com. And it, it's still my baby. Cascade is my baby. It's going to stay in great shape. And we're going to continue to teach and grow. And it sounds like volunteering to help with that also could be a great learning opportunity for somebody who's interested in developing something like this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we have a lot of volunteers. There's a few that, that are just like really stand out and help out consistently. And a lot of them have gone off, got great jobs from it. So any anybody who wants to volunteer could just send me an email. As long as it's, you know, for an authentic purpose that you, that you genuinely love helping people, like you're not just like, it just has to be from the right peace of mind and from the heart. Do you think there's anything unique about the design community that helps it support something like this? I think that this model is all about quality. The whole model is all about quality and just put it's a, the reason Cascade has transformed from being a CSS community to being about cascade, like the cascading effect from learning from the top down from the right. If you learn from the right people and you have the right people teaching the information, then so many more people will be positively affected by it. So it's about spotlighting the people who are doing things right and learning from them and that will affect everybody positively. So I, I don't think it's specific to the design community. I think it's more about having the leaders, just having somebody who understands what quality is and teaching that versus wanting to make tons of money just putting out 
events wherever because ultimately the quality is gonna is gonna sustain and that's where it most of your events come from word of mouth from the event sales because people believe in it and they're excited and they want to come back so people are buying the quality i'm curious so i've got listeners who may want to start something like this and may have that same passion if you were starting again right now you've made mistakes and you've learned things along what would you do differently and how would you do it now? Well, okay, so I've started, I've actually started a couple other organizations along the process. I have one called the Design Business, which is all about teaching designers how to be entrepreneurs. And it, But I kind of put that aside because there was too many focuses between that and Cascade. But I would say just go on Meetup and create a group and see who, and make it specifically about your passions and see who responds. Because if you're doing something in line with what you love, you're going to attract people that are like-minded and that I feel like meetup is the best place to do that. And you, now we charge for the events. I make it accessible for a lot of people. So it's like $20 a ticket or a volunteer if you can't afford it versus like the $6,000 workshop for a day kind of event. We want to make sure that everybody has access to it, but just put, put it out there, put the idea out there and don't be afraid to fail. Don't be, don't expect like millions of people to sign up immediately but some people will, even if there's just two people there, you're still planting the seed and then you just keep watering it by continuing to create events. Also, I will add this, that we had a Cascade Los Angeles, Cascade LA, MySpace sponsored it. This was back in like 2010, 2011 or something. They sponsored it at the time, but there, it was a totally different community and it didn't feel right for me. It, I ended up playing in a band instead of organizing events and I came back to San Francisco and became like a an event organizer, I guess, slash designer. But it has to feel right and make sure that it's worth your time and your investment in order to continue. Once you have a positive response or or you get a little bit of it, that will fuel your next event because you get excited and then you just create stuff. But it has to feel natural. Okay. It's less about specific techniques and it's more about focusing on the on the community and on on being genuine and focusing on quality i would say focusing on yourself more than anything is focusing on i i agree with you yes focusing on the community the quality but focusing on yourself and you're like what do i want to achieve out of creating this group well i really want to learn x y and z so i can enhance my portfolio and be able to get a kick-ass job in this particular field or i just want to create a marketing channel for my app so I'm creating an, like a community because a lot of the apps need community in order to survive. So they use events as a marketing channel or like giving talks or, or things along those lines. So just get clear on what it is that you want. Why am I creating this? And under do like a research on yourself and then create it specifically, not for the community, but for yourself. The more clear you are on what you want, the better the product or the event, will, you know, the organization will be. Do you have any tips on how people can figure out what, what it is that they actually want and figure out who they are? Yes, actually. No, that's a great question. I've given talks on personal branding and, and finding your voice and all that. I like journaling regularly. I journal a lot. I use Mood Notes more recently. M-O-O-D-N-O-T-E-S. Mood Notes is a great app for journaling. And just asking yourself, like, getting to know your core values and what you want out of life, like your long-term, short-term goals, seems a little cheesy and an extensive use of time, but getting clear on that will make it a lot easier for everything. 
Fantastic. So you got involved in design. You have a degree in design, but I, I know you also have a musical background. And I'm curious, are you still practicing in, in music as well? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I have a 88 key digital piano right here. I play guitar, I write music. I, I went to the Botanical Gardens in San Francisco. They had an event called Flower Piano where they set up 12 pianos in the botanical gardens for 12 days. So 12 pianos, 12 days, you can walk up and play or you can watch a performance. And I ended up spending three different days there. I performed a lot of cover songs, but I also, I brought, I brought some sheet music with me, but I ended up performing my own songs a lot more than anything. And it was funny because I got a much po more positive response for my own songs more than I had somebody say to me that it really suits me and they love my originals and there was an audience of like five people when I started playing and then I turn around and there was like 40 people so that's a good sign. That's so gratifying. Do you perform on a regular basis? Do you have a, a band or a group that you get out in events? I've been playing in bands off and on uh, since high school but I'm actually performing a secret show on my birthday. Um, I'll be performing six to seven originals. This is the first time I've actually set a date to perform and invited people and and I'm really, really excited about it. I'm, music has become more and more of a focus for me lately because my good friend is producing a video game, an indie game. I started actually creating the soundtrack for his game back in October, and I was playing around with GarageBand. I upgraded to Logic, which I love. I love Logic and all the pl plugins and everything. I was going to ask you what software you use. Yeah, I use Logic in terms of like technically, like all the details, I'm still learning about a lot of that stuff, but I'm a composer. I'm really good at composing sound, coming up with catchy melodies, and I can write jingles in a second. And yeah, I love music. If I had to define myself, I would do it with the song because it just makes more sense. <laughs> no, I love that you've brought your performing background into design and managed to somehow make this integrated lifestyle for yourself where you've got performance and you've got design and you've got community and you're, you're bringing it all together and it feels like you've made a, a really great integration of that. You've taken these things that seem unrelated and you've managed to weave them together into something that helps not only you but helps, helps your community as well. Thank you. Thank you, David. So if listeners are interested in finding out more about you and what you're doing, where can they find information about you online? Well, you can always follow me on Twitter at Andy, A-N-D-I, Galpern, G-A-L-P-E-R-N, Andy Galpern. Or you can visit CascadeSF.com, although I haven't been as active with updating. I need to do a site redesign. Maybe I can... I can have some people volunteer and help out with that. Or you can subscribe to our mailing list at CascadeSF.com. Um, join us on meetup.com forward slash CascadeSF. And follow me on Twitter at Andy Galpern or at CascadeSF. And uh, I'm always up to something. So I'm happy to, to meet lots of new faces. And I love meeting new people. So anytime that you have a question or you, you heard the show and you have something you want to ask me about or just give a thumbs up, that's where you can find me. Cool. And I think you also share some of the videos from your events on YouTube as well, don't you? We do. We probably could tape them a little more often. But yeah, we do have some on YouTube. A lot of it is evergreen and a lot of it is very relevant for people, I think. Yeah, it definitely could reach bigger a bigger audience. I definitely think so. But I'm grateful for all that we've 
accomplished. Because if you think about it, we're affecting San Francisco, which is like the hub of technology. And if we influence all these designers to become better, then that's going to make everybody's lives easier because it's more usable and accessible and beautiful technology around the world. We're kind of setting the standard. So in some, that's the cascading effect, what we call it. I like how you tied that together. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I really appreciate you sharing your story with my listeners. Thank you, David. This was fun. Thank you. Are you glad you listened to this episode of Hack the Process? Then take an action now. Make a note about something you just heard and how it's going to help you as you hack your own process. And let me know about it. This has been M. David Green, your host for Hack the Process. You can tweet me at Hack the Process, leave a review for the show on iTunes, and visit hacktheprocess.com to check out the show notes for this episode and join our community of process hackers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>